When Dom Toretto said it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, he was lying. You're lucky, pal! He was lying because not all wins are the same, especially not in mixed martial arts. And today we're going to be exploring this reality by looking at a whole bunch of fights that on paper, in a vacuum, without the proper context... Ergo! Vis-a-vis! Tommy, are you alright, bro? Concordantly! Should have been massive victories, but instead, for one reason or another, which we'll get into, left fans and the promotion feeling rather meh, and failed to raise the winner's stock. The stuck market. Oh, and uh, no title fights on this list, as they are by their very nature a big deal no matter what. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, a huge thank you to the biggest channel supporters in our Hall of Famers, and these are 10 huge wins that didn't move the needle at all. Number 10, Colton Smith versus Mike Reese. Well, we kick off our list with a different type of needle moving because you see, over a decade ago, winning the Ultimate Fighter and doing so in exciting fashion was still a fast-tracked notoriety. Well, to put it in perspective, the season winners that sandwiched this entry were Mike Chiesa versus Ally Aquinta, and then Kelvin Gastelum versus Uriah Hall. Winning big on tough still meant something in those days, but one winner who absolutely did not move the needle with his big showcase victory was Colton Smith. The soldier and wrestler used his superior grappling to score four decision wins on the season, and then in the finale earned 12 and a half minutes of control time in a fight that saw only 24 significant strikes landed. The slog of a co-main event was at least saved by Big Country TKOing Matt Mitrione in the first round to headline, but Smith's win did him no favors and is one of the least memorable tough finales of that era when tough finales still had some weight. He would subsequently lose his next three bouts before being cut from the UFC. Number 9. Josh Koscheck versus Diego Sanchez From unpopular tough fighters to some very popular ones, Josh Koscheck versus Diego Sanchez had all the hype you could possibly want from a non-title fight going into it. The pair were some of the few big names that weren't title holders. They'd fought previously on the show, and it was a close fight. Diego was undefeated, 17-0, coming off a KO victory over Joe Riggs in the first round. Koscheck was 6-1 in the UFC. He'd been fighting on the heavily watched Fight Night cards. A big victory in this fight would have meant an instant title shot. The stakes were high, the hype was real, and Koscheck was determined to show everyone he could beat Sanchez on the feet. Unfortunately, this one just shit the bed. With near-identical stats to Nganu versus Lewis, that's never a phrase you want to hear, the bout was just boring. Nothing happened. Diego seemed off, Josh was clearly winning, but not in a way that screamed, give that man a title shot. It didn't help afterwards when it was revealed by Dana White that Sanchez came into the bout with a staph infection. Personally, and I'll be honest, I was disappointed in the fight. Uh, I, I, I felt that... Uh... You know, they, they stood and stared too much and didn't let their hands go as much as they should have. Oh, and then GSP lost the title to Matt Sarah, completely overshadowing the already lackluster victory by Koscheck, who was most definitely now not going to be fighting for the title. Number 8. Johnny Walker versus Anthony Smith When everybody's favorite Scottish whiskey debuted in the UFC... Whiskey. Took all of three fights before fans were saying he might be the man to dethrone John Jones. Walker scored three first round finishes, two of them in less than a minute, and the hype was a hyping. That was until he was TKO'd by Corey Anderson because there's levels to this. And since then, Johnny's just kind of been there, but a few things have changed. One, JBJ is gone from the division, and he left a goat sized hole at light heavyweight that's since been filled by four different rulers, one of them in his early 40s, and the two since both crowned by beating said 40 plus 
plus year old, the first of which vacated the title due to an injury. So it's not been exactly stable, and there isn't exactly any one man who has done anything that says, oh yeah, that's clearly the next guy. Enter Johnny Walks in 2022. He subs Iwan Kutelaba in the first, then TKO's Paul Craig in the first, and suddenly people were talking about a title shot if he could beat perennial contender Anthony Smith. And he did, and he probably is going to get the next shot. But nobody is happy about it, especially the UFC. Walker vs. Smith was a real snoozer, and DFW afterwards was not impressed with the Irish-Brazilian. Should have done the worm again, might have saved it. Number 7, Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov. For never was a story of more heavyweight woe than this of Curtis Blades' many career lows. He drew Francis Ngannou in his UFC debut, well that sucks, put together 6 wins only to get TKO'd by Ngannou again in just 45 seconds. Recently he got himself right back in the spot where it's like, well if he wins, how are you going to deny Blades now? And he got TKO'd by Sergei Pavlovich. There was another rough spot though in the middle of his UFC run that I want to talk about for this entry. Following the loss in his rematch with Francis, Curtis popped off three straight victories, including a TKO finish of JDS as a fight night headliner, setting him up for a second straight main event with Alexander Volkov. The big Russian's only loss up to that point was the freak last second KO by Derek Lewis. My balls was hot. Otherwise, he'd won five, his most recent giving Greg Hardy his first real L. A big win here could have put Blades in the title picture, and while he did score his fourth straight victory, it was just not a good fight. Curtis averaged about four minutes of control time per round, but not the exciting type. 14 takedowns on 25 attempts. Despite all that control, only 33 total ground strikes. He actually lost the final two rounds, despite being in a dominant position for most of them. Needless to say, nobody was clamoring for him to get a title shot next, and he in fact wouldn't, but instead see himself KO'd by Derek Lewis. Dude's had a brutal run. The guy is legit talented, but cannot catch a break. Number six, Marab Wheelie versus Jose Aldo. Bantamweight is just the most interesting division these days. After Aljo stole the title, his reign of terror has been unending, but underneath him, we've seen some wild shit. TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo returning to challenge for gold, only to come up short that was not a triple C height joke. Sean O'Malley finally proved he's ready for the big time by beating former champ Piotr Jan. Oh, and Aljo's teammate Marab Dewalishvili has been absolutely railroading the division and is the clear number one. But there's a few problems. The first, he really doesn't want to fight his best bud if possible. I can't! We're friends! But the other thing is how he's been winning. Going into the fight with Jose Aldo, Marab was on a seven-fight win streak, primed for a showcase performance on a pay-per-view against a legend. And yeah, it did not go that way. Despite failing on all 16 takedown attempts, Marab outstruck the former champ 135-59 to and got a UD victory. Afterwards, he explained how he didn't want to fight teammate Sterling. I, I, I feel like me and Aldo, we can beat everybody. It's no problem, you know? And then Dana White shit on his performance at the presser. Marab didn't go after it like, you know, a guy that looks like he wants to fight for the title. Well, yeah, Dana, he said he doesn't want one. Despite absolutely dominating Piotr Jan next, fans were bored to tears, even though this time White was impressed. You know what, though? The moment of the year is him stealing O'Malley's jacket. So I'm good with Marab. Number five, Rashad Evans versus Rampage Jackson. Connor McGregor. I bet you didn't think I was going to start this entry by saying his name, did you? The Notorious has been the king of the big draw non-title main event fight. But back when McGregor was doing Irish regional shows, Rashad Evans and Rampage Jackson 
Jackson had a beef so hot that they'd sell over a million buys when they finally threw down and no gold was on the line. That said, given the popularity of the feud, one that was perpetuated by a hugely popular season of The Ultimate Fighter in which the two served as coaches, White announced before the fight that the winner would get the next title shot at light heavyweight. Unfortunately, the fight was just not interesting at all on either side. It was very grapple-heavy, but not the entertaining kind. Jackson's performance was lackluster. He scored a knockdown in the third, the only highlight of the whole fight, really, and still lost the round on two of three judges' cards. Evans was awarded the title shot despite the disappointing performance, but when he had to sit out with an injury, he was quickly replaced by teammate John Jones, and then he had to go through Tito Ortiz and Phil Davis to finally get his second shot at the title. It's safe to say that while, yes, injuries happen and the show must go on, had Evans beat Jackson in spectacular fashion with how popular that feud was, my guess is he'd have been lined up for the title right when he got back, not two years later. Number 4. Bilal Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns I'll be honest with you, I love his fights. I'm a Bilal Muhammad fan. For my money, I don't know if it gets any better than when he sings When a Man Loves a Woman. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Bolton fan. Now, I know there are many of you who don't feel the same, but either way, you have to appreciate the situation that this man was in heading into that Gil Burns bout. Every word of what you just said... Wrong. He was nine fights unbeaten. He was coming off one of his most impressive victories that earned him a performance bonus when he took out undefeated Sean Brady. There really wasn't a clear-cut challenger for Leon Edwards. Colby Covington was gifted a third title shot despite taking a year off in his last three victories being Jorge Masvidal, Tyron Woodley, and Robbie Lawler, and we've seen the UFC change plans after announcing something unofficially. If Bilal went out there and had the performance of his life just absolutely destroyed Gilbert Burns, there was maybe a chance he could gather the momentum needed to get that rightful title shot, or at the very least get some more fans on board. But of course that is not what happened. The fight was a weird one. While Bilal did dominate, Gilbert's arm would become compromised early in the fight, leaving him combat ineffective, but at the same time still too hard to put away. The result was a clear victory for Muhammad that resulted in little ado about even less. While surely the next in line after Covington, the win was not the welterweight coup Bilal and his fans had hoped for. Number 3. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz there is an inherent risk and reward in fighting a Diaz brother that doesn't get talked about enough. Obviously, they're huge stars, so it's a marquee matchup, and it's not as if you can't beat them, you can. The problem is, you're probably not going to finish them. In their combined 23 losses, they've only ever been stopped six times, and two of those were doctor stoppages. And so if you're not going to get the finish, you're going to have to understand that it's not just the rules of mixed martial arts that will determine your victory, you have to win on Diaz rules too. The greatest example of this is Leon Edwards. The fight with Nate Diaz was a golden opportunity. Leon was a man who was nine fights unbeaten, but the fans had zero interest in him competing for the title, so if he could put on a show against one of the most popular fighters in the world, he had this thing in the bag. And he did look great against Nate. He did his thing. He busted Diaz up. Sure, the fight wasn't going to light the world on fire, but it was going well. It was going well until it wasn't. In the very last minute, Nate rocked Rocky and had him in some serious trouble, which Edwards would survive, but it didn't matter. It was by far the most significant moment of the fight, and if you were a Diaz fan, that was it. He won. They would just say, hey, the fight was stupid anyway. What'd you even do, Edwards? That blood was from scar tissue, okay? And that was all it took to turn a win for Leon into another reason fans didn't want to see him get that title shot. Number two, Cyril Gaon versus Jarzinho Rosenstreich. It really doesn't take much at heavyweight to see yourself in the title picture. String together a few wins in some high-profile 
high-profile matchups and do so in exciting fashion, and you're probably going to get thrown in there. Cyril Gaon had everything going for him, undefeated at 7-0, four straight victories in the UFC, his most recent a nasty elbow finish of former champion Junior Dos Santos. He was from France, a market that was suddenly heating up with its recent legalization of MMA. Better than all of that, though, he was former teammates with the soon-to-be champion Francis Ngannou, and he would be headlining his first-ever card against a knockout artist who had only ever lost to his former training partner. Everything was right there for Gon. All he had to do was reach out and take it. But it was just one of those fights where a whole bunch of nothing of note happened. The five-round snoozer saw Cyril take 50-45s, but thoroughly unimpressively, especially in the eyes of boss man Dana White, who said, quote, this was his coming out party and his chance to show the world who he is. He won, but let's leave it at that. He won. Oof, Gon would have to defeat Alexander Volkov and earn a make-believe interim title from Derek Lewis before he finally got his shot. Speaking of the Black Beast, number one, Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. So this fight makes a ton of our lists. He's on the naughty list. Because it is historically bad and we all know that, but it also just happens to fit this concept absolutely perfectly. Francis Ngannou had taken the sport by storm coming into the UFC and rattling off six straight stoppage wins, mostly in the first round to become the most feared fighter in the world. Then the world found out that he wasn't quite ready for a grappler and Stipe Miacic took him to church. The rebound, though, was the perfect fight. Fuck all that wrestling shit. It was going to be nuclear power in all four hands. Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. Truly one of the best bookings on paper of all time. On paper. Just like Lewis earning a victory over Ngannou on the feet on paper at the time should have been absolutely tremendous. But no, no, instead Ngannou got got hit with an ice ball from Sub-Zero, and Lewis threw his back out or something. This combination led to the worst possible fight ever all around. Not only did the victory do nothing for Lewis, but it was such a hyped fight and it was so disappointing that I think winning or losing here wouldn't have even mattered. It was a detriment to his career either way. This was not even not moving the needle, this was just throwing the needle in the trash. You know who always moves the needle though? The editor of this video, Luke Taylor. Please follow his socials and show him all the love ever. The guy's amazing. Big thanks to Ben Rosette as well. He provides the tunes. You should go follow him too. Of course, the biggest of thank yous to our channel champions. If you love On Point and want even more exclusive content or want to have a voice in the creation process for our videos, consider becoming a member by clicking the join button below the video. Like and subscribe for a whole bunch more of what you got today. What are some other big wins that you can think of that did not move the needle? Let us know in the comments below. And thanks for watching, guys. I will see you round the way.